Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. On today's show... We review the season for one Nicola Batum and his big contract here in Charlotte. And we share our best pickup lines, plus... Take that for data. <laughs> we talk more Hornets and data before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets here on this Wednesday. Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day, whenever you need it, wherever you need it. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at SeatGeek. Use our promo code LOHORNETS to get $20 off your first purchase. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker, David, uh, we've got a great show ahead. We're going to uh, recap the season that was for Nick Batum. But first, I have a very important question for you if you're ready for it. Yes, right off the bat, hit me. All right. Have any of the, because you were very vocal about some Gatorade commercials recently, have any oh, of God, the NBA God. playoff commercials become unbearable for you already? Yeah, any NBA commercial that aired either on NBA TV during mm-hmm. the season or or and many of those would air soon into, you know, a nationally broadcast NBA game. So those are starting to wear thin at the moment. To 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 just illustrate their impact or lack thereof, I, I can't name any of them. I don't know what any of them are. I will minus, as minus, a service uh, to you, because you are my friend. I will okay. remind you of a few of them. First, there for me, the ones that are becoming well, unbearable for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit me. Are the birds, the birds and the bees commercial where the couple, uh, you know, it's it's sort of insinuated that they're having sex in their car and then reproducing, and thus need a, thus need a bigger car. Maybe I don't know. Okay, I know that one. It's clearly had an impact on me. I know the brand. Um, and the one, this was, I know this one, the Intel 360 replay commercial where LeBron has a crybaby face. At least these are new though. Yeah. I'm just saying, listen, if LeBron wants to be the greatest of all time, I'll just say this. Michael Jordan would never allow his face to be memed crying. Okay. It would never happen. (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you this state farm is treading lightly with me. I mean, I like Chris Paul, like Deandre Jordan. Um, there was one commercial, I think it was State Farm, where they're talking about combos, combinations, if you will. Yeah, who's, got, who's got the paint? Well, no, this is like at his oh. locker, right? And it's oh. like, maybe it's, oh, yeah, maybe it's yeah, not. Yeah. And he's like, dribbles and shooting, great combo. <laughs> and then it's like, tickets and more tickets, great combo. I'm like, that's not a combination. Great tickets combo. And more tickets. tickets and more tickets is not a combination. That That's, anyway. No, they got to be two different things. That's they the whole two idea things, guys. of a combo. <laughs> of a combo. <laughs> you don't go to McDonald's hey. and order a combo with fries and fries. The fry fry combo. It's not a thing. I've mm-hmm. checked. Uh, why oh, are man. we playing two NBA playoff games at the same time, David? 
Why? It's, Why was it, Chicago like, Boston starting at halftime of Bucks Raptors? Why does the NBA hate their product? I don't know. Why do they hate Giannis? I mean, why are they putting, putting I, this, I knew. I just knew. This, I knew that Bucks why? Raptors was going to be on NBA TV. One series they, always gets um, sent to NBA TV Island. And you know what? In protest, David, in protest, I watched the whole thing, and I was rewarded with amazing basketball from both the Bucks and the Raptors in a very close game. So take well, that, NBA. I was without access to NBA TV for much of that game, so I watched the Bulls and the Celtics throw rocks at each How other for three quarters. Yeah, you know what? My the, the least favorite commercial on TV right now is this commercial where uh, this team with uh, three guys who are all supposed to be alpha dogs and couldn't get along for half the season were throwing shade at each other on Instagram and in front of the media, and then all of a sudden they become a super team. That's I hate that commercial. <laughs> Chicago oh, Bulls. I oh, think wait. that's uh, yeah. That's this advertising is, the Chicago Bulls. I do want to mention Killing this me. commercial. I do want to mention this one commercial, and then, then we'll get off this because I, I know how the folks want to want to talk about the Hornets. There's a commercial with I don't know who they are. Maybe it's a band. Maybe it's a it's a it's a bunch of X game like friends. They're sitting around uh, in front of like a Mountain Dew uh, dispenser or machine, and they're talking about probably the same thing. Some, <laughs> yeah, some summer, some right, some sport, summer basketball, and you know how I know they they don't play basketball because at one point, uh, one bro turns to the other bro and go, "Hey, ball me." <laughs> I've never heard <laughs> as if he's asking, which he's asking for the basketball. Bear me, bear me, Jim. No one, no one has ever said ball me <laughs> on the court or otherwise. <laughs> Except in that commercial. They coined Except. it. Uh, All right, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NBA, NFL, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. David, I should say we are, for the offseason, this is going to be sad news for some, we are kind of retiring Fun Friday. No Friday mm-hmm. shows moving forward until we get uh, you know closer to next season. So we're going to have, I think, you know, you and I should deserve to have a little bit more fun uh, during the week as well. Um, but let's start this show and talk about Nick Batum, his second season with the Charlotte Hornets, his ninth season in the league overall, signed a five-year, $120 million contract in the offseason. He's been known for his all-around play more than his dominant scoring his entire career. The question before the season was, would Batum change his game after getting the big contract? Would he want or take more of a scoring role on the offense. And the answer from Batum, from Clifford, from Rich Cho was overwhelmingly no. He would not change his game. He should not change his game. But after a very disappointing season, the tune has changed somewhat. Here's Nick Batum after his exit interview. I really want to stay focused on my game because I know I got to be maybe more scorer next year. I know that. No, I've tried maybe too much to be another one player. And facilitate the game for the other guys and be too unselfish sometimes. I gotta stop that. So his scoring average, David, was on par, just a tick above his scoring average last yeah. season. Yet here, yet here we are, <laughs> career high. Yet here we are. Do you agree with his assessment, which is not just his assessment, but Rich Cho mentioned this in his uh, postseason interview as well? So, yes, in theory, I agree with that, but I'm a bit concerned about that, Doug, because as we mentioned, that's a career high. 15.1 points per game is the highest he's ever scored in his career. Um, And, you know, that's nine seasons in. 
And so to completely change how he approaches the game at this point, not that it can't be done and he's staying in Charlotte to focus on that this summer. But I mean, at, at what point are you what you are? You know, I mean, and he's had, it's not like he hasn't had success uh, playing this way. Uh, you know, the team did not reach the levels they wanted to this year. But I, I'm just a little concerned if the approach to this season is Batum has to become the number two that we paid him to be basically from a scoring standpoint. Right. Um, and that's our only approach to fixing some of the issues on this team. I mean, that I think that's a little concerning. Now, that may be the only way they have to go. As you've mentioned a lot, they're, they're going to need some internal improvements, you know, from guys that are already here, uh, as opposed to adding guys, impact guys from the outside. But, you know, I just think he's been this way for so long. And, you know, you saw games this year where he did was more aggressive and, and tried to look to score more. But it's just not the type of player he's been over his nine-year career. That's very true, David. It is very difficult to change. But once you do change, it can have huge benefits. And uh, let me tell you about SeatGeek. They've changed some things. They've changed the world of buying and selling tickets online for sports and concerts. It's been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been difficult to find the best deals for that game or show you want to go to. And and none of the older sites wanted to do anything about it. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it super easy for fans to buy and sell tickets and find the best deals. And with the free SeatGeek app, it's even easier. It's the only app that I use my phone to get tickets for concerts, for Charlotte Knights games. Our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first purchase. That's $20 just for trying the SeatGeek app. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code LOHORNETS, that's L-O-HORNETS, SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOHORNETS today. Okay, so yeah, I, I'm not sure how much I buy into this, David. I In, in doing this assessment, I in doing this recap that we're doing, I found... Um, what I think is the most critical stretch of the season for the Charlotte Hornets. And it was, uh, interestingly, around the same time that they had their most critical stretch two seasons ago at the end of January. From January 27th to January 31st, they played three games at New York, home against Sacramento, and at Portland. They lost all three of those games. The Knicks game, very close. Sacramento, very close. And then the Portland game, they got blown out by 17. Um, and and the reason I say it was the most critical stretch is because they were coming off two losses to Washington, Golden State, and they had two games coming up against Golden State and Utah. And if they had won two out of those three games, you sort of salvage that uh, you know area of the season where you were struggling. Instead, they go on uh, what turned out to be a seven-game losing streak, and uh, that was the you know the period of the season that really got got away from them, uh, and they fell out of the playoff race. But in those games, uh, Kimball Walker didn't play well, but I thought Nick Batum stepped up, had 19 against Sacramento, seven assists, seven rebounds, 15 points, 11 rebounds, nine assists against New York, 18 points, eight rebounds, six assists against Portland. Uh, you know, you could argue maybe one of those games has to get 20-plus, but I'm not sure that scoring was the problem. I think if you look at those games, five turnovers against New York, five turnovers against Sacramento, four turnovers against Portland. I think that's where the adjustment has to be. Not 
necessarily being more aggressive, but just being more careful with the basketball uh, and maybe just finding places to attack more when you're when he's playing with the bench. Because I think he's doing a fine job with the starting unit. Starting unit played very well this year. It was when he got with the bench, I think he got a little too unselfish. But I'm just not sure that that he's he's going to be into his 10th year, David, and he's been playing professional oh, yeah. basketball for a long time. I mean, you know, can he change? I don't know. Right. That's what I'm saying. I mean, do you think he is a number two? I mean, do you think he's a number two uh, option? I, I don't think he's a number two scoring option. I mean, I just, no, I just I, don't. Yeah, I know. I, mean, I, he, I, I think you're right. He, he that you know he was at his best in Portland as really the number three, um, and I mean he's a hell of a number three, right? If, if he's your number three score, I, I, he can be the number two. It's just tough. I mean, and I think that's what based on this contract, right? Because we said at the beginning of the season, if this season does not go well, one of the main themes is going to be Batum did not live up to this contract, right? And yeah, and so, so I think he, you have to you have to wonder like how much of this is just postseason frustration. And thinking, everyone's sort yeah. of getting ret- introspective and thinking, like, what could I have done better? Uh, but it sounds like he's going to be going through some, a little bit of a mental transformation in terms of you know, his role on this team. I wonder how much, how different that would be if they had made the playoffs. And I wonder if this team decides to try to hit a home run via trade and bring in that type of score. You know, yeah. it, it looks that th- we've talked about how the pressure is on for Rich Show to to make some bold moves to get this team back in the right direction. If that bold move is to bring in a volume score, if somehow in some crazy world they were able to acquire, I don't know, a Carmelo Anthony, then all of a sudden, <laughs> fifteen points, eleven rebounds, nine assists—that's that enough. Crazy. That's more than yeah. enough. That's amazing. Now we'll say he can improve some on just the hard, just the the, the 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 hard and fast stats, right? I mean, his effective field goal percentage, worst of his career, forty seven percent from two, you know, two point field goals, worst of his career, forty five percent, second worst three point percentage of his career at thirty three percent. So I mean, he can improve on that, I think, and 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 shoot a better uh, percentage in those areas. Yeah. I think a lot of these guys can. But as you mentioned, you know, the the shortcomings that we saw a lot were decisions or uh-huh. not making decisions. You know, those quick decisions that weren't made, that were a half second too late. Uh, the shot that he didn't take or the pass that, you know, maybe wasn't uh, expected from a teammate or something like that. So, I mean, you can certainly watch film. I just don't – a lot of that seems to be instinctual to me, you know, just in the play – in the flow of the game, playing with guys – um, that surely could improve. I just don't see him turning into some 20-point-a-game score. And I wonder, Doug, what would it take for him to, quote-unquote, earn this contract in the eyes of some fans? I think it's A, being a 20-point scorer, yeah. or, or B, having team success I, I, um, having team success in the form of a playoff win. And I think that one, obviously, is doable. I just don't know that you're going to transform yourself into a 20-point scorer uh, by next season. Okay, so let's talk about where he was good and where he was bad. And I'm going to go to the synergy stats here and the synergy evaluations because they still have not cut my account off yet. Um, <laughs> where was he? Where was he good on offense? Well, running off screens, cutting, and not surprisingly, when he passed out because he is a great passer. He's um, deft at finding uh, guys cutting off ball. Uh, though noticeably, the offensive numbers when he passed out of the pick and roll or passed out of isolation were both down year over year uh, to last year. So 
what does that tell me? Well, you know, he played a lot with the bench unit this year, and the bench unit had its own offensive woes. And so if he wasn't being as aggressive with the bench, then you would see those numbers, I think, go down. When there isn't an Al Jefferson to pass to or a Courtney Lee to pass to or a Jeremy Lin to go make a play, then, you know, those numbers tend to go down. Now, where was he bad? Pick-and-roll ball handler was rated as below average. Uh, His issues with turnovers and clutch situations is well-documented on the show. Batum had 15 turnovers this season with six minutes or less in the fourth quarter or overtime with the margin at five or less, so that's what I'm defining as clutch. Only seven last season, so he doubled up his clutch turnovers. Uh, And, you know, coaches and Rich Cho talked a lot about how this season came down to close games. The Hornets could not win those games, and those kind of moments – matter. Uh, one thing One thing I think they can do to get his scoring average up to sort of manufacture his scoring output is get him more post-up opportunities because if you look at his post-up offense, it was really, really effective this season, both statistically and anecdotally. I mean, when he was able to get mismatches uh, in his post-up game, it was uh, effective. And uh, Steve Clifford pointed to that as part of the offense that they need to get to because that kind of offense where you slow the game down a little bit and you're you're able to get a good shot, even if it misses, David, you can get back down and, and get your defense set. As opposed to a bad three-point shot that misses uh, wildly, that shot's going to lead to transition buckets You know, over the course of a season. And so I think they need to find some way, if they're not going to get a, a, a post scorer that can do that, they've got to find some creative ways like getting Nick Batum the ball in the post to slow the offense down a, a smidge so they can get their defense set. So those are a couple of things. Yeah, you mentioned the clutch stats. I looked up those as well. He's kind of middle of the road as far as on the team in in clutch stats, which is not really what you want from your he number two so guy. He was so good right? last season. I, I feel, we, yeah. we talked about it over and over. If you needed a big bucket, I mean, Nick Batum changed the offense two seasons ago by having a guy other than Kimball Walker that you could give the ball to, and not just like last-second shots. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you're down three points, uh, four minutes to go, and you need a bucket. You absolutely need a bucket to make sure the momentum's going in your direction. Couldn't get those buckets this season. Yeah, it's peculiar. And look, I mean, there were a lot of issues, you know, across the board. We've mentioned that Kimball Walker was really the only guy that that made the jump, that played well consistently, better than he did last year. But, you know, Batum was the guy they were really counting on. I don't think – I mean, you don't think this contract in and of itself affected him. I, I never got that feeling, really. You know what I mean? I just think it was a tough – it was a tougher season for the team as a no. whole until some things changed. I don't think it was like the money. I don't either. Here's what I think. I think Steve Clifford and Nick Batum both got caught in a similar situation, which was they sort of, I don't know if overestimated is the right word, but they sort of operated as if the bench was the bench that they had last season, that the level of output mm-hmm. that you were going to get from your bench is similar. And you saw Steve Clifford try to, you know, have these nine, ten man, you know, full bench rotations and eventually have to abandon them. And I think you saw Nick Batum being too unselfish when he was in those combo units and and never adjusted, never said, okay, look, I'm clearly the best player on the floor right now. Uh, Frank Kaminsky's one of nine. Marco Bellinelli can't hit a shot to save his life. Time for me to take over. Just rarely happened. So I, I think that's. And, and one more offensive thing, David. This is actually really interesting. 
Um, <laughs> rarely do I say things that are actually really interesting, but this is. Here's a legitimate question. A big part of Nick Batum's offensive strategy this season was taking a handoff and pulling up quickly to draw a foul. Would you agree or disagree? That was, oh yeah. I mean, getting the and ones on the, the you know the four point plays, um, the three free throws. It was a big part of a lot of teams, a lot of players' offense. Running off those handoffs, pulling up quickly and drawing the foul. Mm-hmm. Um, handoffs made up ten percent of his offense, and he had a one point zero four points per possession off handoff plays. That's better than seventy eight percent of the league on a whopping twenty percent of those possessions. He was fouled. Okay, that's the setup. Here's the issue. Here's the question. I think the league's going to address that this season. You're already hearing announcers in the playoffs talk about this. These guys running off these handoffs and pulling up quickly and, and getting the foul call. Um, it's, it's sort of the leg kickout situation that they address. They said, okay, stop kicking your leg out. We're going to call a foul on you if you do that. Right. I don't know how the NBA addresses this in particular, but I think they will because it's it's happening Players are exposing it. Teams have realized it, and they're exposing it. And if that part of his game is taken away, then you got to find something else. And I go back to the post-up game. Yeah, and that's why I have some faith in both Clifford and Batum. I mean, this they've and, and Clifford and Cho and, and the front office MJ they've put guys on this team that we've all thought of as high high basketball IQ guys, right? And I think Batum falls into that category too. So I think he is going to be able to figure some of this out. I do really think it's going to help him being in Charlotte with Kemba, with whomever else is there. I think that um, that, that chemistry and that ability to play together is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, they've got to find other ways to get him involved. And I think the post-up is big, like you mentioned. He's going to have an advantage, especially at the two, right, on some nights over uh, a lot of these guys he's facing. So if they stay that way, you know, I, I, I'll be interested to see – what kind of shakeups they they try and make with this starting lineup? I'm just saying, listen, if they can. Carmelo is no longer with Lala. No, he is certainly. I don't know if you've seen these reports. No, he's not. Yes, and, I have. And Lala was always, you know, when you, we talk about where is Car- Carmelo going to end up, and it's like Lala wants to right. stay in New York. Okay, well that has that's over. That's all right. I'm saying. What do you think about? Yeah, that? I think Carmelo. I think Carmelo also wants to, you know, go after a ring, be in a good place, <laughs> maybe get on with some banana boat bros. So, uh, you know, uh, the funny. You know. Uh, my my buddy who lives in New York uh, was telling me that on page six, uh, the sort of the rumor, the rumor mags in New York uh, said that when <laughs> when Carmelo was on the road, his line, his pickup line, was uh, "Lala is married, I'm not." <laughs> Who knows? Is it? Who knows? Listen. Who knows if this is true? I, I, it's just a. It's a funny. Rumor. It's just. But page. it brings to question, like David, what's your, what was your best pickup line? <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, your best zinger? Did you have one? Did you have a go-to? You know, I really didn't. I think it was like, "Hey, my parents are out of town this weekend," <laughs> which sounds creepy. But I had a lot of friends over. So I, you, you know, know how I snagged just, producer Katie. My wife, mm. I, uh, w- well, I said, we're going out with some friends later. And she goes, oh, okay, cool. Where and when? I said, I'll tweet you the deets. Wow. <laughs> she was like, who is this stallion? <laughs> that was my line. Mm. Tweet you the deets. Hey, Doug, real quick, yeah. one last bucket of stats for we you. We haven't talked and about his this- defense either. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it's well on this note of you know him doing more on offense and, and shooting more and scoring more. You know, I mentioned the field goal percentages again, second lowest of of his career. His attempts were the highest of his career. So those two things are moving in the wrong direction. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about his defense just quickly. It was bad empirically. It was bad anecdotally. Um, I'm not sure you're allowed to guard the uh, lesser wing and still be a below average defender because that's, you know, MKG always guarded the better wing. So you can't do that and still be a below average defender. Got to get that defense to average. Um, that was, uh, it was part of, it was part of a lot of issues that this team had defensively. His ISO defense was ranked in the fifth percentile. Fifth. 95% of players were better at guarding ISO than Nick Batum this season. He was a big shot magnet. He was on Deion Waiters twice during that close Miami game where Deion Waiters hit a, a ton of uh, three-point shots to get them back in it and, and over the hump. He was on yeah. Wiggins when he hit that deep, deep three early in the season to send the game into overtime. Didn't, didn't get up. Didn't get up on him. Um, that's got to change too. So it's not all shoot more. I think that's the. I hope that's not his focus, his entire focus when he's in Charlotte. It's got to be improve the defense somewhat. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was the big. Um, that was the big attractive note for this season with MKG coming back. You had Batum and MKG on the wings, right? And that never really materialized, as you mentioned. So yeah, plenty of areas for him besides shooting to contribute and, and to get better. I mean, you, you do have though, Doug, like with a lot of guys that, you know, they had a, they had a down year, right? They, so they are due or they can have a bounce back year. I just, I'm with you. If, if it's all focused on the scoring, um, there's certainly other areas where I think he can make up ground faster. You know what I mean? I agree. Okay. Before we get out of here real quick, David, I, I have to get to this uh, listener email, funny stuff from Keith. Keith says, uh, okay, so the outtakes from coach Fisdale's press conference, coach Fisdale, the coach of the Memphis Grizzlies went mm-hmm. on a rant after uh, game two against the Spurs. Coach Fisdale's press conference deserve, nay, dare I say, demand a fun Friday horn soundbite mix as well as a sick burn uh, drop from you. If you could make this happen, it would make my Wednesday. I don't know, Keith. I, I don't know if we can. Okay, let's do it. Overall, 35 times we shot the ball in the paint. We had 15 free throws for the game. We don't get the respect the that these guys deserve because Mike Conley doesn't go crazy. That's he has class, and he just plays the game. But I'm not going to let classy. them treat us that way. You know, I know Pop's got pedigree, and I'm a young rookie, but they're not going to rook us. That's a sick That's burn. A sick burn. That's a sick My guys burn. dug in that game and earned the right to be in that game, and they did not even give us a chance. Take that for data. <laughs> That's a sick That's burn. A sick That's burn. A sick now was he going? Was, <laughs> now was he going directly at data? Take that for attacking, data. Was he attacking Take that data? For data. Take that he, for data. That, no, I say I, I think he brought because that. he brought. I didn't play the whole thing because we don't have all day. But you know, he brought all of these free throw statistics that he had prepared. Right. He like said before that press conference, he was furiously going through stats.nba.com and writing these down. So take that for data. Don't come yeah. in with a shooting percentage. That's not what this game was about. This game you know wasn't about like uh, Mike Connolly's three-point percentage. This game was about the fact that Zebo couldn't get a daggum darn foul. Uh, it'll be interesting when they go back. The guys, on, like uh, PTI, the guys on PTI mentioned last night, this was a tool used by one Mr. 
coach Pat Riley uh, and guys like Phil Jackson, you know, kind of when the scene shifts back to your home court, you want to change the tune a little bit. You also want to fight for your team a little bit. So I, I enjoyed it. I mean, a good rants are always fun, right? Um, so are you, were you in favor of this rant? I'm in, of course. Yeah. We're so afraid, or not we, but I think the NBA is so afraid of entertainment. Professional sports, not just the NBA, the NFL especially, is just so afraid of entertainment. Um, you, this was entertaining. This was fun. What do you think the fine number is? What do you think the fine oh, number is? tremendous. <laughs> 25? More money probably than I'll see in the next 20 years. <laughs> yes, tremendous. Uh, tremendous. I, I have no idea. <clears throat> Um, but it's going it's going to be bigger that because you have to the, the fact that they're waiting a day they've waited a, a full what two days now so they wanted to let it breathe oh man yeah he's gonna have to let his wallet breathe that's for yeah. sure uh, all right that'll do it for us thanks for the letter Keith uh, keep sending those in and uh, yeah listen if you request a soundbite more than likely we're gonna play it uh, because you know <laughs> take that for data. Uh, thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Follow us on Instagram. We are doing these player recaps all uh, off season, and we're going to start getting into some draft uh, previews as well, previewing some players, um, and we're getting the info uh, straight from the people who are covering them uh, most closely. These uh, SB Nation writers out there for Duke, for NC State, for UCLA. So uh, we'll be uh, we'll be learning about these players coming up soon. Uh, thanks for listening. Until next time, for David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked on Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m.